Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, another edition of the College Basketball Anza season preview series. We are in November, and that's that's always a great sign. I'm Nicholas Sodell. Dominic Sure lives alongside me, and in just a few short weeks, we're going to have college basketball on our plate. That's a very exciting thing for everyone, Dom. Less than three weeks now, Nick. I, I, I know I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be a great way to celebrate Thanksgiving week with some college basketball. So that'll be a nice, uh, a nice addition. I'll be back home at that point. So I'll have my, uh, all my two TV set up downstairs. So, you know, I'll be watching a lot of college basketball that week. Uh, one, because there should be some good action. And then two, because it's been several months. We're creeping closer. We're getting down towards the bottom of these mid-majors uh, in quality conferences, but that doesn't mean there's not any quality teams here. Absolutely. And of course, everything's shifting as well, of course, with the, the news earlier this week that St. Mary's were going to play Ohio State in the Bad Boy Moyes crossover classic. So everything is still sort of shifting, and plenty of teams have yet to release their non-conference schedules, their amended non-conference schedules. And we're getting up there now. We're starting to see some teams get into that stage. Uh, and several teams, are get, several conferences, should say, are getting into the mode of announcing their system. And that is no different for the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAC. Of course, they announced that they will be doing Friday, Saturday, back-to-back uh, -back system. Uh, but last season in the Metro Atlantic, it was Siena at 15 and five in the conference and 20 and 10 overall, taking the conference regular season championship in a really solid fashion there. They, they were able to win each of their last nine games in the regular season to go from six and five to 15 and five and a very solid state as well. They can pop ranking St. Peter's, a solid year for them at 14 and six, and then Ryder and Mammoth both at 12 and eight. Uh, now, the, the biggest thing I think since we last had an episode for you was the release of the newest. Ken Palm numbers for this season. That's been a very long time coming. And to give you an indication of where we're going with this, uh, Sienna, once again on top of the conference, and that is about by a good four points in the adjusted efficiency margin over Monmouth and St. Peter's. So it, so it'll be interesting to see where that ends up at the end of the season. We're going to start off with the bottom of our projections and of course, that is increasingly nuts in, in, in this conference for sure. There is a bit of a difference here. I'm going to let you start off with Ryder. Uh, for Ryder, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Pope, uh, he's coming in. He's a junior six foot four guard. And Dontrell McCorder, six foot seven guard. So those are going to be two key uh, JUCO transfers that they're going to be relying on. And then they're also waiting on some waivers for a couple of players who bring some D1 experience in for them. Dwight Murray from Incarnate Ward and Malachi D'Souza from Albany. Both those guys are guards uh, who averaged above six points per game with Murray tallying nine points per game. Like I've said on previous episodes, uh, just about everyone's been giving a waiver. Given COVID-19, the NCAA has been very lenient this year. I would expect Murray and D'Souza to get those waivers. Uh, I'd imagine they, they might have already got them already, actually. But those guys get approved. Those are more quality minutes coming in for, uh, for Ryder. They're the Bronx, not the Broncos. Got to point that out for, uh, for the mascot lovers out there. 
uh, as, you know, more mid-majors, more cool mascots. But I believe that this team, uh, they've, they've won a decent amount in the past. Uh, they're going to keep that going this year. They may not be at the top of the conference. This might be a little bit of a, an over-projection, but I'm going to go – I'm going to ride with Ryder getting fifth place. In Ryder, we mentioned them at 12-8. and eight. Last season, they were able to do some good things, uh, at least analytically – um, things aren't looking up for, for, for Ryder from the number standpoint. Um, the preseason last place in the Kempom numbers and also last in the uh, conference preseason coaches poll. So that's an interesting note uh, to uh, put into your diary. But the Ryder team that shouldn't be a, a terrible team necessarily, maybe their projections of you know, being in the bottom two or being a bit uh, underdone. Uh, but we'll have to see with a team like Ryder um, there. Uh, sort of my uh, differing team for you in my top five is, uh, is St. Peter's. I think they're going to keep up with what they've been doing. Um, and I've got them in third, mainly because they have a couple of guys that were able to, uh, three guys, in fact, that are able to get some all-conference uh, representation in the preseason awards. Uh, J.C. and Defo, a junior forward, first team all-conference in the preseason. The only one in that first team action that was not unanimous, but still a very solid junior forward with plenty of experience to bring in. And a pair of sophomore guards on the all-conference third team going into the season preseason, Daryl Banks and Doug Adert. Both of those guys are going to have to really head up the backcourt for the St. Peter's team. And it's a team that I think is going to be another really solid team. Uh, Adert and Banks will have to... Uh, Probably get into the uh, double scoring, perhaps in depth will get up to that point as well. Not a ton of depth on this team. Got a couple of sophomores, a couple of freshmen here to really look look at. But their defense with probably is going to let them carry them over the edge again in many many games uh, in this conference. You have the best adjusted effective efficiency in the Kempom preseason metrics. I think St. Peter's can definitely do some things going forward. And I think a top three is definitely not out of the question for this team. I want to move now into Canassas, get into our teams. We have commonly inside our top five. Um, pretty much the projections are all over the board on Canassas. Uh, what's your take on the team? Yeah, I think they're going to take a big step forward from last year after they went seven and 13. I think everyone projects them to take a step forward. It's just how far of a step forward are you going to project them to take? And I think that they can take a pretty decent step forward. I got them coming in in fourth. Uh, my reasoning, they're a very deep team. Just looking at them from last year, returning six players who all averaged over six and a half points per game. They're also bringing in Malik Green, uh, six foot seven forward from Moorhead State, who averaged seven points per game and five rebounds per game. This team also rebounds the ball well as a team. They don't have that one elite rebounder, just reading them off, you know, Majesty Brown, their point guard. He got four rebounds per game to go with his 14 points per game. Uh, a couple of other guards averaging two to three rebounds per game. Their forwards, four to five rebounds per game. So this is just a well-balanced team that's returning a, a couple of key players. They're going to have some depth. I see them taking a big step forward. This is a team that you'd like to see in these mid-majors to see them take a step forward and possibly compete for this conference title. Yeah, I don't know. Imagine Brandon, they're um, one of their main senior guards. They have uh, the all in the preseason all conference second team, um, the only member of the team that, that earned uh, all conference preseason accolades. 
And another team that really is just all over the board. Uh, the Blue Ribbon uh, College Basketball Yearbook has them in eighth. Uh, the preseason poll has them in, in second to last. Uh, the MPOM metrics have them in the fourth. Three-man lead has them in the fifth. So really there's a lot of projections that are just going all over the board um, with Canastas. And I, I think part I think that's part of the reason why I uh, had a team like St. Peter's um, above Canassus and Monmouth, which we'll get to here in a moment. I just think that there's going to be a little more uh, stability, um, not necessarily stability, but you, you get into the point of Canastus where you have projections all over the board. It's really hard to project the above a team like a Monmouth who's been getting some more uh, favorable projections and like St. Peter's who's been given also some more favorable projections across the board. I will be curious to see where Canassus finishes up. I think a, a, a top five is now the question, but they could also get below that a, a little bit. And I'll talk about my sleeper uh, a little later on. Let's go now into Monmouth, um, a team that really, when you look at the grand scheme of things, is one of the uh, more recognizable teams in the Metro Atlantic. Um, give me your take on the team. Yeah, it's, that's the main thing about Monmouth is they them and Iona are really the two teams that a lot of people recognize coming out of this conference. And uh, everyone really remembers the the video clip of the, the players on the bench for Monmouth. And for me, what I like about this team is they play a lot of small ball. They, they rely a lot on their guards. Uh, they're going to run four guards. That's their projected lineup here. Uh, they, they're returning Dion Hammond. He is a six foot four senior. He averaged 16 points per game last year, three rebounds per game. So he's going to be their primary scorer for them offensively. Uh, and then I, I think that they have a big wild card on their team. Donovan totally coming in from Chattanooga. He's a transfer. He averaged 11 points per game. He's going to be a redshirt sophomore. We'll see how he blends in with this team uh, at Monmouth because if he can come in and put up similar numbers to what he did at Chattanooga, this team is going to see a very high ceiling for themselves, especially considering the other options they have at the guard play. Now the question is in the front court, they're, they're one projected forward, six foot eight junior Nikkei Rudy. Uh, he only averaged three points per game, did do a good job at rebounding four rebounds per game, but is he going to step up offensively, be able to give them some versatility scoring wise down low in the post, because if that's not the case, the centers defensively could always rotate to help, not really having to worry about him being able to score. But we've seen in the past, this team, their strength is defense. They're going to have to rely on that again this year. But I think that Monmouth, I got them in second, but uh, some other, it's pretty common to see them at that third position. And, and Monmouth also second in the, in the uh, preseason Kempom rankings, uh, a, 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 a bigger step behind Siena than, um, Sienna uh, really uh, was in, in, a, in that position um, last season, but it does seem that Monmouth will be in, a, in another decent position here. And it's going to be about players uh, finding their role and really uh, embracing it, the cohesiveness of this team, the chemistry, I think it's going to be one of the bigger things that determines where Monmouth goes. Uh, senior guard, uh, Deion Hammond, is just one of their main seniors that they have uh, on this team. Having 16-3 a game in the scoring column last year, he can clearly be that main scorer. I will be curious to see what Chattanooga transfer uh, Donovan totally does. I will be very curious to see where exactly uh, 
he fits in with this. Uh, but this is clearly a team that they're gonna they're gonna compete a, at least a little bit, and really would not be all that surprised uh, if they were able to make some noise. Anyway, I definitely like where Monmouth is trending, just not as much um, as a team like St. Peter's or even Iona or Siena. Um, and, I, and I put Monmouth in fourth mainly mainly because of some of the care tricks I saw in St. Peter's and also Iona and Siena, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I want to start off with Siena. Um, a lot of the publications of, that have come out with previous in the conference and even the preseason poll have Siena at the top. And when, I was, when we were um, talking before the show and doing our prep work, I saw that you had not put them at the top. Why is that? Uh, I just had a little bit of a Zoom cutout, but I think we're going to be talking about Iona here. Am I right? Sienna. Oh, we're going to be talking about Sienna. Okay, so Sienna. Uh, well, I saw that they're the unanimous. Uh, they're the unanimous first place team for this conference here, and they they do have a very dynamic scoring duo at the top of Jalen Pickett and Manny Camper. Manny Camper six foot seven can really rotate in between playing at the guard and playing at the forward spot. So we'll see about that. We'll see how he ends up playing. I, I think that these two teams are going to be neck and neck up at the top. I really think it's going to be a three headed monster in this conference, seeing who's going to battle out for that top spot between Sienna Monmouth and Iona. They got, they got a ton of depth uh, here for this conference. Uh, they're, they're, the, they're the returning champions. I think it's going to be a great race between all these teams but to me, outside of Camper and outside of Pickett, I really don't see a ton of other scoring. They're also a good defensive team. Uh, we'll also see how, how Tate from Rhode Island comes in, how he transfers coming down from the A-10 to the MAC. A uh, bit of a, a downgrade in terms of overall play in the conference. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, I, I think that this team is just as good as Iona, but there's one key thing that I like about Iona, and I think you might know about it. Yeah, and I'll definitely let you have your say on that here in a moment. But to me, it just doesn't make sense to go with anyone but Sienna. And that's uh, really uh, barring the, the Iona coaching, which is going to be something to really watch out for. Uh, and it, it starts with guys like Jalen Pickett, um, the defending conference player of the year. Um, in 2018-19, he was the conference rookie of the year. Twice, member of the all-conference first team twice the league leader in assists and a unanimous selection. There's just not a ton that you can argue against uh, really for Pickett and also um, senior Manny Camper, who was another unanimous selection to the all-conference team. There's just not a ton to, for me to really base off of as a reason why Cena shouldn't be uh, projected at the top. I mean, Pickett's one of the, the best players in the conference by far and away being one of the better players in all of the mid-majors. Uh, and he's going to have to lead the team. Uh, now, 15-1 a game in the scoring column, four, six a game in the rebound column, six a game in the assist column. He'll probably have to put something similar up. And Manny Camper averaged a double-double for the season, which is a big, big, big thing for a 3-4 guy. That's big. 
Uh, Kyle Young will be very interested to see what he brings to the table. And you mentioned Dana Tate, uh, Belmont transfer, Dick Hopkins, Detroit transfer, Harrison Curry. Those are all going to be some very interesting pieces to sort of finagle in. But at the end of the day, what it all makes is a collection of players that I think easily consider the best team in the conference. Now, the, the only thing you could really argue against Siena is that this was a team that, if we're going to go off of last year, they are really only projected to not really get up here um, like, like they did last year. This is a team that was sort of projected down toward the middle last year, and they went ahead and decided to just prove everyone wrong. Uh, and so with that being said, I do think we got to be uh, a little bit careful. At the same time, I don't necessarily think it's going to be all that close, really, in this conference. Yeah, they also didn't lose a home game all year last year. We've said other times throughout the show, you're going to see worse home records throughout the season, given the fact that there won't be any fans due to COVID-19 or a limited amount of fans. So we'll, we'll see how they perform on the road because a lot of the major teams like Siena in the MAC, they end up going playing power five teams on the road because the schools pay them to come there and they normally just beat down on them. We'll, we'll see how the, the away records also stand. But I mean, they went five and 10 on the road last year off. And so we'll, We'll, we'll see. We'll see how they perform. Yeah, and, and of course, last year's uh, Siena's rapid rise from 7-9 and nine to 19-10 and 10 is also not really something to uh, take lightly as well. Definitely a team that can prove that they can really uh, come from behind if they need to. Um, and so now, finally, this conference, we're going to talk about Iona before we get into our sleeper teams and some of our other projections. I know you love Iona, and I think I know why, so take it away. Yes, two words. Rick Patino. How can you not love the fact that Rick Patino is coming back to coach at a mid-major school? He he was exiled from college basketball for a couple of years after his scandal at Louisville. And you know, rightfully so. Uh, he definitely deserved to be out of the sport for a little bit. Uh, went over and coached in Greece, I believe. Uh, so some country in Europe, not really sure what it was. I think it was Greece. Uh, now he's back. He's coaching in the Metro Atlantic <laughs> Athletic Conference. Who would have thought? Uh, but uh, it's not only that. Uh, this team does have two key returning players. You got Asante Gist, who averaged 10 points per game. He's going to be their point guard. And Isaiah Ross, who averaged 11 points per game. He's going to be their, their two or their three, six foot four guard. Uh, so those two guys, those are the two main returners. Outside of that, they're not returning anyone that saw any feasible playing time last year. However, they did get a seven foot one Juco transfer, Osborne Shema. He's a sophomore. So we'll see how he performs coming down from Juco, uh, coming here to the Metro Atlantic. Seven foot one center. What's not to like about that? They also do get Barrick Jean Lewis, uh, six foot five uh, junior. He's also a Juco transfer. So we'll see how those Juco transfers fit in with Gist and Ross. Uh, Patino, you know, he's one of the best to ever do it. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to pick against a really good coach in a mid-major. Uh, you see a lot of mid-major coaches, you know, go on to bigger schools and be extremely successful. Uh, I think that, you know, Rick Patino probably is never going to go coach in the power five again, just cause he's getting up there in age. And I think that, you know, him being out of the spotlight, uh, it, it probably suits him best now. And I think that he can really set up Iona to possibly, uh, 
rebound from their tough year last year. Uh, this is normally a team that's either the one or the two seed in this conference tournament. They went nine and 11 last year in conference play only went five and six at home. So they need uh, a refresh. They need, they need something to help them going forward. I think a Patino can easily be that. Yeah. Um, this is another uh, scenario to where you get that bit, you, you get that big coach, you get that big name, you got a lot of eyes on you. And I think in the long term, it's going to work out really well for Iona. It may take a little bit. And that's sort of why I have Sina above Iona. It's going to take a bit for Iona to really get the guys that fit Patino's system and get those high profile guys in particular that is going to make Iona a team to be really reckoned with. I think that's going to take a while. And I think that is reflected in the preseason Kempom metrics. I mean, Iona, they're way down there, actually. They're eighth uh, in the conference in Kempom. Uh, they're adjusted for the margin to start out the year, minus 8.71. If there's any team that can pull a Siena and go up by 100-some spots in Kempom from start of the year to end of the year, Iona's that team. I think that this is the sort of team with the coaching they have that can make a big difference. And once again, you have a couple of guys that people clearly have their eyes on. Asante Gist and Isaiah Ross, both uh, preseason all-conference second team. Those are the two guys that many people are going to have their eyes on um, pretty much straight away. And they're going to have to lead a bunch of brand new pieces, especially their freshmen. Uh, so I really think it's going to take a little bit for Iona and that little bit might be a bit too late in this scenario of a shortened season and really more conference games. Uh, question for you, Nick, because I, I will soon own a Kempom uh, subscription or membership. I'm not exactly sure how it works. I will soon own one, but I don't have one. Uh, is there a coaching metric on Kempom? You know, that, that's one of those things to where uh, they have like a coaching history and stuff that you can kind of track what the coach has done through the years. Um, but, I, but in Rick Patino's case, um, it's really not going to be valid as of right now. There's not necessarily a metric that says this coach is better than this coach or anything like that. You get a nice solid coaching resume page, uh, and, and that's really a page that can um, do you uh, – very, very well. And, you know, just for, just to give Dom a sense of what I'm talking about, um, of course, our listeners aren't exactly seeing what I'm talking about. You get all the different metrics for all the different years that uh, Rick Patino has coached uh, in his time in Louisville there and, and his uh, year of Kentucky in 1997 there as well. But this is a, obviously a coach that's been out of the college game for a while. He will have some work to do. And that work he's going to have to do is going to be a uh, very intriguing to watch. Um, you have Fairfield at six. I want you to really talk about them and perhaps their prospects being a potential sleeper. Yes, I do have them as my sleeper. They are projected in the preseason coaches poll to finish in eighth place. And I, I don't see it. I, I can see them being a top six team in this conference. Uh, Jesus Cruz, six foot five guard. He's returning. He averaged 11 points per game last year. And Caleb Green's a transfer from Holy Cross who averaged just around 11 points per game as well. So I think that those two guys as a duo can certainly help this team uh, exceed those expectations. They also have uh, Shifu 
Na, Naga Lakulandi. Uh, I, I 100% think I butchered that. Uh, anyways, transfer from St. Bonaventure, you know, once again, uh, A10 team. So tougher conference play. He averaged only three points per game, but also got three rebounds per game. How is he going to fare in the Metro Atlantic? We've already talked about that earlier this show. So we'll, we'll see how he performs. I think Fairfield has a chance to uh, to increase uh, their rating and uh, exceed some expectations. Not my expectations, though, because I got him in at six. They also have a couple of, you know, returning players from last year sitting on the bench. They, they have a decent amount of depth. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, for me uh... – Maybe not the biggest sleep in the world like a fair but I think Manhattan is going to be uh, turning to be finishing right on the middle half of the conference again and maybe some upward uh, mobility. Who knows? This is a team that really is looking to get back into a winning record for the first time in, in conference, play, I should say, for the first time since their NCAA tournament bid in 2015, that 14-15 season of going 13-7. and seven. And even the year before in 2014, going 15 and five in conference, by earning a 13 seed. Now, what Manhattan probably uh, has going for them, uh, if anything at all, is their experience. Just projected junior, junior, Rexher, junior, Satan Hall transfer, Anthony Nelson, junior, somebody out from UMass, junior. You have all kinds of transfers and all kinds of experience on the bench as well. So you can definitely see that experience, especially in a year like this sort of move them up a little bit, though they are going to have some pieces they're going to have to work out in order for them to get up to that point. Um, player of the year, to me, it's a no-blanger. Uh, Sienna's uh, Jalen Pickett. He should have no problem winning the award. Dom? Yeah, Pickett's my, Pickett's my choice, too. 15 points per game last year, four rebounds per game, six assists per year. I mean, uh, that those are pretty good numbers. I, I will take Pickett as well. Yeah, he will be selling that. Maybe perhaps a lot of uh, other people will have their eyes on as well when it comes time to march and make those projections of just how well can he perform against some of the better teams. Moving ahead to the Summit League now, um, we're going to have a lot more things we agree on the Summit League than the MAC. Uh, but looking at the Summit League and their performance from last year as a conference, and another conference that was right around the mid part in the uh, conference rankings from last season, 19th in the conference rank last season. And it was really uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, seemingly battling it out for position for the better part of the year. And eventually, it was it was North Dakota State that was able to take care of business. Uh, South Dakota State, um, they, they had a... Uh, Solid run the regular season, but lost to Purdue Fort Wayne in their first summer league tournament game. So they will definitely be trying to uh, get back to uh, some of their normal business. And that's some that the Ken Palm metrics have them as well. South Dakota State is in the top 100 of the Ken Palm ranks at 95th, thanks to a really nice adjusted offensive efficiency mark that is inside the top 50 to begin the campaign. North Dakota State is well off the mark. He's sort of a uh, get some other teams uh, behind them. Uh, first off, uh, though, we're going to mention Omaha here. And Omaha has been one of those teams that they've just been uh, sort of trending right around the middle of the Summit League uh, ever since they joined the league. 
in the 2012-2013 season. They've sort of found a way to um, be competitive. Um, they've had they've had they've had an off year or a few over the course of the last five years, but they've been a pretty competitive team. Yeah, last year they finished in fifth place. I have them in fifth place again this year. They got a ton of returning players this year. Uh, their starting five, I believe, is all returning. They don't really have that star player. They do have Matt Pyle, uh, six foot eight senior, who averaged uh, eleven points per game and ten rebounds per game. So I guess you could consider him their star player. But outside of that, it's just a really deep team. I mean, you got their point guard, Ayo Akinwoli, uh, six foot senior, seven points per game. Thornhill, uh, six foot four, eight points per game. Ruffin, eight points per game. Tut, seven points per game. So they just got a really uh, solid starting five group of players that are all returning. So they have good chemistry. I don't see what's not to like about Omaha. They could certainly be a team that surprises us and moves up in the rankings just because. They're a solid team. They're going to be returning just about everyone. They got that chemistry that you like to see from them at mid from that mid-major team. I think Omaha is definitely set up to be a top half uh, in this conference, possibly even move up from that. Yeah, this is a deeper Omaha team that we've seen, and we have a lot of pieces returning. Um, perhaps that is going to benefit teams more this year than any other year just because of the uh, – limited practice time that the coronavirus pandemic has brought upon all of these teams. And the more experience you have and the more guys you have returning, um, perhaps the better off you are in the actual season to, to really start off. Now, as time goes on, maybe that effect becomes less and less apparent, but I do think Omaha is in a very good position uh, just to really uh, keep up uh, their standing of just being a very competitive team um, not making some enormous waves at the top of the conference, but, you know, they're just there in that top five, just nice and steady. Uh, team that was projected fourth in the uh, conference preseason poll and definitely a team that uh, does have some of the their, uh, better players. And, and Matt Pyle is in, is in that preseason all-conference first team. And also Marlon Ruffin, he made the preseason all-conference second team. Um, someone that had 8.8 points a game last season. He'll be expected to keep up that scoring and productivity. And if he does that and Mott Pyle continues to stay productive, uh, maybe not average double double, but I do think it's a team that we should be talking about. Definitely in the top five. I have them fourth. You have them fifth. No problem there. South Dakota is really the, uh, if you want to say the little brother of South Dakota State within South Dakota basketball, I guess you could say. Uh, I'm on another team that they're not usually a terrible team, but they usually fail to really take over the headlines. It's like for a few years where they have competed with South Dakota State before for major bragging rights in this conference. How do you see this team? I see them really being carried by the senior Stanley Umide forward. Average 16 points per game last year and six rebounds per game. I mean, that. Uh, that, that's my conference preseason player of the year right there is definitely an easy choice. Uh, Douglas Wilson, who we'll talk about in a little bit for uh, South Dakota State, is probably the other choice. But he's going to have to put this team on his back, not really returning anything from last year's team. Uh, they do have a couple of transfers coming in. A.J. Plitzuweit, uh, 6'2", uh, D2 transfer, and Xavier Fuller, 6'4", junior transfer from JUCO. Uh, he's going to also, those two guys are going to have to bring in a lot of production if this team wants to finish 
in the third place projection spot that I have him in. This team's got a lot to like, uh, just especially when you have that one key guy in the front court, because we've seen that the front court is where a lot of teams struggle. Uh, and then it's easier to bring in guards from Juku, from Juco schools to produce for them. They also have Brady Hyman uh, transferred from Nebraska. Didn't really get any playing time there. We'll see how he performs now that he's down in a lower level of competition in the Summit League. I have South Dakota coming in in third place. And, and South Dakota is another one of those teams that they just have a bunch of guys um, from other places that are coming in. Several JUCO, several Division II transfers. And it's just going to make it interesting to see how they really uh, try to uh, get anywhere. Uh, and I think they will get somewhere, uh, but I think Tulsa's will just barely crack that top five. I can't really see them going anywhere further than that, especially you have to put in all these different pieces, so many guys stepping up from JUCO and Division II competition. It's just an area to where I'm just not sure if South Dakota can really get up to um, really a fourth or even a third place spot. Um, and I think we're both kind of in that same boat there. Um, our top three, maybe the same here. Uh, All Roberts, a, a team that was projected second in the conference preseason poll. And if you look at the Kempom metrics, they are a little bit down there uh, in fourth in the conference and just outside that Kempom top 200 but I still think there's some things to like here. Yeah, I think that this team has the potential to be the second best offense, offense in the conference behind South Dakota State, who is pretty much the unanimous selection to be first place in uh, just about everything. A uh, lot to like that's returning here. They got a nice duo in the front court and the back court returning from last year. Max Abrams, he's their star guard. He's his freshman year. He averaged 14 points per game. So. That's pretty good. That's a nice thing you want to see returning. And then Kevin O'Banner, uh, six foot eight forward, averaged 12 points per game last year in his redshirt sophomore season. So that's their main returning star players. Not to mention, they do have DeShane Weaver returning from an injury. Didn't really play much last year. He averaged nine points per game as a freshman. So I, I like that trio of players to produce like they did in their most previous seasons, we can't say last year because Weaver didn't play last year. Uh, they also have a nice six foot eight forward to go along with O'Banner and Elijah Lufile. Uh, he averaged five points per game and five rebounds per game last year. So I think there's a lot to like here about Oral Roberts. I got them coming in at third. Uh, they're also just a pretty tall team. I mean, just looking at their bench, they got a ton of forwards that they can bring in off the bench and a couple of tall guards. So that could pose some problems when, uh, when your starters go off. Uh, those guys can come in and play some good defense for you. I got Oral Robertson at third. And, and Kevin O'Bonner, someone that is uh, going to be in the uh, preseason all-conference first team, and then also uh, Matt Obama's in the all-conference second team in the preseason. Two guys that can definitely step it up um, and really keep that uh, level of production. You add in Weaver and his uh, potential to really produce. Uh, we'll see what happens to him coming off of injury, but if he produces at the same level as his freshman year, I definitely think that is already three of the guys that can really take this team to a different level. Um, RJ Glasper, what is he going to do coming from D2? I think that's a, a big question, but I definitely think that Oral Roberts is going to be a much better team than we've seen in years and in, in the previous years past. Um, 
This is a team that, I mean, last year, nine and seven, not too bad, but before that, they had four consecutive seasons of not being able to have a winning record in the Summit League. So what they did last year was already a big step up uh, from what they had done in the previous few seasons. Or they could be able to have another winning record. I think, absolutely think they will be able to do that. And I think they should, they will probably be able to get to 10 wins in, in the conference. I would not be surprised if we uh, were sitting here in March and saying that Oral Roberts was actually a really good team. Um, maybe not a contention for a uh, spot in March. Um, they could certainly do it in the conference tournament, though. That probably would not be much of a problem if there are three big guys that they have really step it up that may not be much of a problem at all but i think the big thing to really look out for is for Oral roberts to uh, really take another step up in their progression to that 10 win mark in the summit league north dakota state a team that they usually compete neck and neck with south dakota state it's always one of the uh, better one two uh really uh in conference rivals that we have in the mid-major between north dakota state and south dakota state but when you look at the Bison, what do you see? I see that they're really heavy and actually in the front court. Uh, it's another one of those teams that's good in the front court. Uh, highlighted by Rocky Cruiser, six foot ten senior who averaged ten points per game and six rebounds per game last year. And they also have Sam Greasel, he's uh, a junior who averaged six points per game and five rebounds per game last year. So that, that's really where the bulk of their production is going to come from, down low. Now, they do have JUCO transfer Donald Carter to the third, uh, so they're going to need some production out of him because they're not really returning much uh, from the backcourt. Uh, their other two projected guards averaged three points per game and six points per game last year. So not, not a whole lot coming back in the backcourt, but uh, I think that these transfers that uh, are coming in, and then they also have Jarius Cook, who also missed last year. Uh, he averaged three points per game as a freshman, We'll see how he rebounds uh, when he comes back this year. I think North Dakota State is going to be right there with Oral Roberts. Uh, it's, I think it's really 2A and 2B there for this conference, uh, with obviously South Dakota State being at the top. But I think North Dakota State has the ability to edge them. And this is another uh, really solid team here. You mentioned Cruiser. He was able to pick up some preseason all-conference accolades uh, on the preseason all-conference second team. He's able to really uh, garner that respect already that he really uh, probably should get. Um, Griso and um, Tyree Eddy and uh, Jackson uh, Nuktek, those will be some guys that will be uh, able to really help uh, support uh, Cruiser in different spots in the court. Uh, now, with North Dakota State, one of the uh, bigger things that really uh, we're looking for is just to really see uh, where they compete outside of Cruiser. Um, it's going to be very... Uh, interesting um but i mean the culture of the program um just being able to sustain uh, uh different things happening whether that be a good or bad perhaps a little bit of a weaker season maybe coming this year very more similar to 2018-19 than um 2019-20 i think we'll have to see what uh, coach dave richmond has up his sleeve and just to really uh just try to really hang on uh, second place I don't think it's necessarily something that is unattainable. I think it's going to be something to where they can definitely aspire to get. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Oral Roberts um, overtook them this year. Not, not, not at all. And it really is going to depend on what Rocky can do uh, for the Bison. 
Finally, South Dakota State, uh, one of the perennial teams um, in all the mid-majors with the respective conferences, and South Dakota State definitely one of those uh, more uh, perennial teams when you talk about mid-majors and being able to uh, have a uh, distinct level of success. And the Jackrabbits have that, Dom. Yes, the Jackrabbits. Once again, another awesome mascot. That's not the Bulldogs or the Wildcats or the Coyotes. Uh, South Dakota State, they get a little asterisk next to their uh, next to their name come March time because they're a team that I certainly think upset caliber team in the first round, no matter who they're playing. Now, of course, you know, if they get a really poor matchup, then, of course, all side away from that. But, I mean, just looking at this team from last year, they're returning three double-digit scores. They're returning their entire starting five. The other two uh, starters who didn't average double-digit scoring points were eight points and nine points per game. Now, I already mentioned Douglas Wilson, probably going to be the favorite for the Summit League Conference Player of the Year preseason-wise. He averaged 18 points per game last year and six rebounds per game. Absolute stud. They, this is just a really balanced team. They got three guards that are all tall, uh, six foot four or taller, and they got two really solid returning players in the front court. So like you already mentioned, great offensive team. They also got two guys on the bench that averaged six points per game last year. Uh, one of them, Baylor Shinerman, as a freshman, averaged six points per game and four rebounds per game. So he's going to be a stud for them. He's probably going to be their sixth man coming off the bench, giving Wilson and their other forward, Dentlinger, uh, solid rest minutes. So this team has a ton of depth. They can prepare themselves to play well down the stretch in March and really get ready because I, I think this team is certainly an upset caliber team. And I would be 100% shocked if uh, South Dakota State does not win the Summit League year. And I really think that um, some of that is because of Douglas Wilson, um, the preseason conference player of the year. Uh, and he really should end up in that position, mainly because of his spot on a team that should win this conference. And you mentioned the balance. That's going to be so important uh, as other teams try to find their balance in a shortened season um, when you don't have as many non-conference opportunities to really get that balance. South Dakota State is here already with that balance. They have some decent depth here. And unless this team just completely falls out of the water and starts really uh, becoming too comfortable, which I think there is such a thing as being too comfortable at the top of a, of a certain conference, the Jack I should be winning this conference and Douglas Wilson should be the conference player of the year. But I do think there'll be some other guys that will contend for that very, very well. We'll talk about that in a moment. But um, we both have North Dakota in the sixth spot. I want to really uh, touch on them a little bit here, Dom. Yeah, really highlighted by a great front court duo with Deshaun Allen Eikens and Philippe Rabraca, uh, both of which averaged 14 points per game last year. Deshaun Allen Eikens as a redshirt freshman last year. So I think those two guys are really going to take a big step forward. Carry North Dakota because they are getting a transfer in from Weber State. Caleb Nero uh, averaged six points per game there. So I think this team can certainly uh, – move a step up from their spot last year, or I guess they didn't get sixth place last year. I think they'll retain their sixth place spot from last year, but I think that they could certainly move up from their seven to nine conference record, uh, certainly improve on that mark. I, I like this team. They got, they got some decent depth too, uh, considering that uh, they have a couple of players that are returning. Uh, 
Ger Gertatus Urbanvicius. Once again, totally butchered that. Oh, well. Uh, six foot seven guy, uh, front court. He averaged three points per game as a freshman. So he won't see a ton of playing time given the strength of this team comes in the front court. But certainly if they want to run a tall lineup, they could throw him in there, uh, run three guys in the front court. He could give them some solid minutes off the bench too. Uh, Nate Shockey, nice little recruit for them. Uh, six foot three, six foot three guard. Uh, so I, I think this team has some decent potential. Uh, I think they could certainly do some damage. They're, they're projected in that sixth spot in the, the preseason poll. So I, I like that ranking. I, I like this team. I think they have, they have some upset potential come March in the Summit League Conference Tournament, of course. And to me, it's a team that, I mean, this would be part of the program we talk about sleepers in, in a particular conference. I don't think there's any true sleepers here. And I think probably it's only because we are looking at a nine-team conference and six players in the nine-team conference isn't necessarily the best place to be in. Uh, North Dakota can certainly get in that top five. I don't know if they're going to really be sleeping on anyone really um, necessarily. Um, and I think part of that, when you get into a uh, black, uh, oh gosh, bless me. I apologize for that. Um, Braca, um, preseason all conference first team, um, 14 3 in the game in the scoring column, nearly nine a game in the rebounding column. Um, will definitely be someone to really watch out for. And really surprisingly, not someone I'm really watching for for player of the year race. Douglas Phillison should get that. However, I am really going to be interested to see how Matt Pyle steps into this race. I'm going to be curious to see how well he can perform and just to the, uh, really get into a, maybe it's not a Wilson versus Pyle. Uh, maybe you also get a, say, um, Umuni for South Dakota or, or, or a banner for, for Oral Roberts. I think there's a lot of really good forwards that can take it, but I'm going with Douglas Wilson. Yeah, you know, I, I think that Douglas Wilson certainly is one of those guys. I'm still going to ride with what I said earlier, Stanley Umide, 16 points per game on a team like South Dakota where they're going to need a ton of production uh, out of him. I think that he has the ability to possibly move up into that 20 points per game margin i mean wilson is certainly capable of that as well but there's more to go around for south dakota state i i think it's safe to say the conference play of the year will come from the state of south dakota the question is is it from south dakota state or just the state of south dakota think about that one nick yes i will definitely be thinking about that that's a very good thought to end our program with uh for dominic stern i'm nicholas hodell have a good day night whenever you're listening to this product for this program from wherever you are in the world.